listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Captain Phillips. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick, and I am here this week with Christian Morlansky. <laughs> Uh, you can just refer to me as Polish. <laughs> and with our Captain Phillips tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, supper time! <laughs> wow, that was fast. <laughs> you say it that way, it sounds creepy, Kelly Wand. Wait, that's not the real one. Uh, it's like Castaway, right, but instead of a volleyball, it's black people. Jeez, a Pete. I, I need like supper time. time. <laughs> Can you go back to supper time, please? God, no, I miss supper time. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, this week, uh, Dingus, what do, do we have any bookkeeping? I think we're all set. Kelly Wan, were there any trailers that Dingus and I should have watched? Uh, that Sylvester Stallone De Niro movie where they box, and so it's like Rocky versus Raging Bull. Yeah, Dingus has seen that one, and I, I resigned myself to watching it because I have no desire to see it. It's called Grudge Match. I think I just got bored thinking about it, so that's all I had for. Right. There was a, a woman in my audience who was just uh, louder than I think she realized, um, and she had three choice things to say: one, two things at the beginning of the movie, and one at the end of Captain Phillips. And one of the things uh, before the movie started was after Grudge Match. She said very loudly and confidently, "That looks funny." And that woman's name was Kelly Wand. <laughs> All right, I got it. After the trailer of American Hustle, she just went, no thanks. <laughs> Wait, Wand, which one? American Hustle. American Hustle, she went, no thanks. Didn't yeah, after, after seeing Bradley Cooper in that wig and that bronzer, she said, no thanks. I think that's going to be a problem for a lot of America. Why? Uh, you know, we want our Bradley Cooper to be uh, handsome and naturally tan. Oh, right, because his hair's too long. Yeah. Put there me. were I was in the fourth row at Captain Phillips and I heard a bunch of like uh Orange County dudes beside me go, Fuck fourth row, this sucks, man. And then one of them went, Maybe if we just asked them to leave those people behind us. So that they could move back to the fifth row. Yeah, that was their plan to get better seats. <laughs> how, how did that work out? They lost their balls and did it. Yeah. So I did it and went sat back up there. <laughs> well, uh, that kind of spoils what Dingus was going to say. So, Dingus, why don't you tell us what we tell everyone what we saw this week? All right, well, this <laughs> week we saw Captain Phillips. Aha. That's that's I Kelly Wand reference, right? Yeah. Uh, hey. I didn't know that was a surprise. <laughs> Wait. What? What? Okay. Oh, you know what I was else I was thinking, bookkeeping wise. Yes. It'd be cool to watch Gravity with Buster Keaton. Like, it's like the general, but in space. Because mm. it's got bullies and shit. It's like, it's a shuttle. She's like a general, but she's a doctor. Would we yeah, I think it would be cool to watch anything with Buster Keaton. Because uh, if, if we go watch things with him, he'd be making more movies. So I agree with you, Kelly Wand. Thank you. <laughs> would it be cool to watch uh, Captain Phillips with Buster Keaton? No, it'd be boring. Dingus, would you approve of that? A little uh, Captain Phillips with Buster Keaton? Uh, I'd watch it with Charlie Chaplin, but not Buster Keaton. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'd want to watch uh, Unstoppable with Buster Keaton. Unstoppable, the uh, the thing with the train with Clive yeah. Owen and Jennifer Aniston. Oh, Jesus. 
Uh, all right, so Dingus, take it away. So we did see, uh, I believe it was Captain Phillips this week. Uh, what should we know about it without spoilers? Maybe folks listening haven't seen it yet. So without spoiling anything, tell us a bit about this movie. Uh, it's a 2013 American action thriller pseudo-biography movie mm. about the hijacking of the first American cargo ship in 200 years. Mm. Uh, I wondered about that because they tend to have either Panamanian or Liberian flags. Is that what you're referencing, Dingus? That's what I'm referencing. This yeah. didn't used to happen to American ships. There's a country um, called Liberia. No, I mean, it's a it's a song by Michael Jackson. Tom, <laughs> I don't know about the Michael Jackson song. I do know about the country, though. Uh, Said you talked to him about trolling me. <laughs> I believe the uh, the president of Liberia's name is Jonathan Feelgood. <laughs> that might actually be a fact. There is some African I country. I think he is a doctor, isn't he? <laughs> anyway, that's enough politics. Uh, so go yeah, ahead. Dingus. That's enough politics. Yeah, let's. It's starting to get a little hot in here. The politics. It was directed by Paul Greengrass Fieldgood mm. oh. and written by Billy Ray Fieldgood, and based upon. Oh, come book, on, Dingus. What's Billy Ray's last name for real? Cyrus. <laughs> Not true. It's just Billy Ray. I love uh, seeing that name, by the way, because it really does. Evoke images of some guy who would be a wrestling promoter or something. It really does. Every time I see his name, I'm like, what could he possibly have written? And then I look it up and I'm like, really? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, and, and directed too. I mean, I, 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 you know, we all, I think, except for maybe Kelly Warren, I think we're all fans of Breach on this podcast. Uh, and that's great, Billy. Uh, which one's that? With two E's or Breach is uh, Chris Cooper? Is I think his name is Robert Hanson, the FBI fellow who was arrested for uh, selling national secrets and for being a little bit too attracted to Catherine Zeta-Jones. Ah, so she's the Breach. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> uh, he also uh, wrote uh, Shattered Glass, which I always oh yeah, another yeah, that's right, uh, an Anakin and- Skywalker uh, performance. That's not. I can't all- tell if he's good in that movie or he's just playing himself. Because ah, he's, he's good. He's totally good. Yeah, right. very good. Yeah. What's his name's good in it? Norfin. Snorfin? Skarsgård. Peter, yeah, Peter Skarsgård. Uh, Peter Skarsgård. <laughs> and uh, Ryan Philippe in Breach, who uh, we also all love in MacGruber. Because no uh, one right. will, will put celery in his butt quite like Ryan Philippe. Mm, the more you know. <laughs> uh, he also wrote uh, Hunger Games, since you brought up Snorfon. <sighs> I noticed that. That's weird, huh? Maybe. Uh, or the words. Yes. Um, <laughs> or the rules. What's her, what's her name who's in that, Tom? Your favorite? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence? Lawrence? What are you talking Jennifer. about? Oh, oh no. Uh, the uh, Snorfin is uh, Isabella Furman. Yeah. Um, right. Has a little tiny appearance in the original Hunger Games. She is orphan. Um, yeah. And she she was cut, as we all know. She was cut from After Earth, which is one of that movie's many sins. <laughs> Wait, I thought she was in it for half a second. And the... No dialogue. Yeah, she just enough to say, "Oh, there were scenes we shot with her, and we're not going to use them, so suck it." Hmm. <laughs> so that's All right, so Dingus, I'm sorry. So written by Billy Ray. Uh, what what rating is this movie? I wonder. Well, it was based upon uh, the book "Captain's Duty: Somali Pirates, Navy Seals, and Danger Dangerous Days at Sea" by uh, Richard Phillips uh, with Stephen Talty. Oh, he wrote the um, book about himself. Yeah. Well. I, I, I bet I know from the movie what font he used. Comic Sans. Tahoma. When he's sending an email, there's totally – I don't know who does this anymore. He's, he's sending an email to his wife in Tahoma font. <laughs> so who does that? Yeah. Nerd. I mean, it's a good point. Um, the movie stars Tom Hanks, uh, Barkhad Abdi, Barkhad Abdurrahman. Uh, well done, Dingus. 
Thank you. Uh, David Warshawski, Yul Vazquez, and Max Martini. Tom's assuming you said it right. He congratulates you. Kelly Wan, can we get any sort of a reaction about Max Martini? <laughs> Which one was he? The Pacific Rim dude. Yeah. He was, oh. he was taking a break from piloting his kaiju to, uh, to come lead the Navy SEALs. Oh, right. By the way, I, I trolled you. It's not a, I trolled you because he doesn't pilot kaijus. He, he pilots Jaegers, Kelly Wan. Oh. Wait, they say Jaegers in this, though, don't they? Mm, I don't remember that. Okay. Then they don't. <laughs> All right, so Diggis, what, what rating was Captain Phillips? <laughs> oh, I was going to say something cool. Okay. You know how you guys leave for the trailers or, like, put your uh, fingers over your ears and everyone laughs at you? Yeah, or the, the or they reassure us because they think we're freaking out. Yes, sure. Okay, so I don't do that because I don't want to have to get up. But my stand is I'm not going to watch the news anymore because it might contain spoilers for movies based on true stories. So it's going to ruin biopics. So I'm not going to watch the news anymore. That I can understand. Okay. How I'm much done. How much do you watch the news now? Well, I didn't before, but um, now I have a reason. Besides, it's a different kind of apathy. It's more now it's, right. It's out of principle. I understand. Yeah, it's yeah. creative. Before it was just the laziness of watching the trailers. Well, let's. Uh, so, is this rated R or PG thirteen? Uh, Captain Phillips, go ahead. What do you guess? I'm, you know, uh, I didn't check, but I'm going to guess there wasn't quite enough blood to be PG thirteen, and there was no f bomb, so it was PG thirteen. There was might have been one in Somalian. <laughs> Uh, it is indeed rated PG-13 for uh, sustained, intense sequences of menace, uh, some violence with bloody images, and for substance abuse. Cat? Yeah. Nobody's going to know what that is. <laughs> I think he needed to use more of it. Wow, for Cat? That's yeah. amazing to me. Is, does does uh, Black Hawk Down have that disclaimer on the MPAA rating? I, I doubt it, but they don't complain about not having enough of it there. <laughs> that's a good that's point. problem. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Way to go, MPAA. What about coffee that those sailors drink, Tom Hanks and them? <laughs> that's right, enjoy your coffee. Maybe that's what, what it's a yeah. reference to. It <laughs> might be that. We <laughs> might be assuming too much. Yeah. <laughs> because the people aren't getting to work in time. That's right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, gravity, uh, gravity, good lord. Gravity, yeah. Uh, well, gravity is still number one this week weekend. Yay. Yeah. Uh, so yay! It is doing amazing box office. It had uh, a record lack of drop off in its second weekend. Uh, so gravity came in at number one. Number two is Captain Phillips, which made uh, twenty six million. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, which gives you the average of reviews that are positive, Captain Phillips is at a very respectable 94% positive reviews. On Metacritic, which averages the ratings from various reviews, Captain Phillips is at 83. Oh. Kelly Wand, what do we learn from these numbers? Nothing. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> Kelly Wand, let's say forget the numbers. Let's have some pros. Kelly Wand, I would like you now to spoil the events of, of, of Captain Phillips for everybody listening to this podcast by telling us everything that happens in the movie, maybe in a shortened form. Uh, if you were to do that, what would you call it? What do you think I'd call it? A Captain Philopsis? Yeah. All right. You're so right. Kel Kelly Wan, before you start, I just want you to stay in the same seat you have been sitting in. <laughs> stay in the same seat. 
See, if I was a pirate and I heard that shit, I'd be going, all right, you know what? Fuck this. Also, put on this shirt. Put on this shirt, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, we want you to attach these phosphorescent lights to your body. Kelly Wand, stick them on your body. Kelly Wand, activate this personal tracker, which we're going to put on your helmet. Kelly Wand, Kelly Wand, wear this Kevlar vest. Put on this neon headband as well. <laughs> Kelly Wan, wear this sandwich where it says, I am not one of the Somalian pirates. <laughs> All right, so our Captain Philopsis, rock and roll. This one goes out to a very special person oh God. named Dingus. Aww. <sighs> it's an honor Some... to be nominated. Ugh. I retract it. Captain Philopsis. Some words are all, in 2009, a ship traveling alone for some reason was briefly boarded by some black guys, one of whom cut his foot some broken glass. The following is the story of the white man who heroically pushed that guy into the ocean and wrote a note while waiting on three snipers to acquire green targeting reticles. Were there even words? I mean, Tom Hanks and Catherine Keener are in a car driving in some rain. She's all, honey, tell me again why we can't just drop food into Somalia by plane. It's fucking 2013. Now, Martha, you know how airline food tastes to pirates. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> That's how Tom Hanks talks. Oh. I don't know how long he trained. Uh, I thought you were doing Catherine Keeter. <sighs> Tom. I'm Tom. <laughs> Kelly, oh. can you do the synopsis in Tahoma? <laughs> I'll do it in Liberia if you don't shut up. <laughs> Tahoma, Washington. K- Catherine Keener's all, yeah, I guess. Just promise me you'll come home safe. Now, Martha, the world's changing. There's 50 people now for every biopic being pitched. Besides, sometimes dead is better. <sighs> I guess I'm just a worry wart. The soil of a woman's heart is warty. <laughs> the soil of a woman's heart is warty, Martha. Worthy. Why'd I want to say that? I mean, he kisses her. They make out while he drives. Then they stop and yawn. Eventually, he turns on the car radio. It's all, uh, pirates. He turns it off. She's all, pirates? It's fucking 2013, I said. He shushes her lip with his finger and goes, now, Martha... The only booty I'm interested in is right here, under yours. Here, help me find the other one at the next light. A proper lover I should look going on board ship with only one booty. I guess I'm just being a fuss budget. He agrees, and they decide to see other people. He gets to the ship. (laughs) That's what I saw. I just paint what I see right here. He gets to the ship, which doesn't have a name, and goes to the bridge. His first mate's all, sup, Cap? How about that shameless display at the Arsenal last night? Tom Hanks shushes him with a finger on the lips and turns on the radio. Eventually, it's all, oh, uh, yeah, pirates. Tom Hanks turns it off and goes, Ensign Palva, begin drilling all the men immediately in second and third act emergency procedures. All the men? You heard me, gunnery colonel. All right, so tsunami, fire in the galley, running low on oxy, black dudes in skiffs, captains coming, throw the prostitutes into the propeller, space debris, aliens fighting battleships, and dysentery outbreak. Anything else? And tell the men we'll be at half rations till we leave port in ten minutes. 
And no gambling for real money with the ship's computer till the second monitor gets here from that Somalian sweatshop. But, sir, Arbor Day's only a month off. You have your orders. Now see that some follow to the letter. I'll find a letter that might. The next morning, two skiffs of black dudes try to attack them. But Tom Hanks tricks them by picking up a speaking trumpet and telling them he's going to use a carbamite device so they don't clear out. Although since their English is terrible, they have no idea what he's talking about. But the Bill Paxton pirates all. The white man has a trumpet that makes his words sound louder. I'm out of here. Oh my gosh. It's not racism. It's history. God. He leaves. Skinny's all. You idiots, I show you how to conquer America. Uh, what the? His buddy's all. They're spraying us with hoses. What do we do? <laughs> Americans. I'm speaking to you with cupped hand. Please stop spraying us with water. It is irritating. Now stop your boat. We shall be forced to figure out an alternative plan. Quickly, please. Our American-made engine is very fragile. They're black, by the way. Kath Keener. Uh, Captain Phillips to pirates, this hose here uses a special type of water. You should use it to lubricate your engine. It'll prevent it from overheating. Okay, hang on. Skinny pirate leader to Captain Hanks, doing what you said made our engine explode. We're sinking. What do we do? Captain Ron to pirates, have your friend there use his tongue to cool the sharp metal pots that are on fire down there while you use the oar to bash him in the face. Six, seven, one more. Later, assholes. <laughs> the pirate skiffs blow up for no reason. And Tom Hanks gives their burning bodies the fingers as boat sweeps away. <laughs> He goes to the galley where all the other sailors are going, oh, Mumble Corps, uh, Union dues, hard tack, uh, top sail. Uh. <laughs> when so, yo, I didn't sign up to spray water at sunburnt Somalians. I signed up to drop food on top of them. The stone beardy ones all. Hey, why don't we just replace our hoses with guns? Tom Hanks is all. Now, Martin, our job's to move our cargo as fast as possible, and that's what we're going to do. Wait, he's Italian. That's <laughs> That's, uh, That's what they've got in this uh, cargo. Uh, yeah, but Captain, wouldn't it be faster to take a route that's not pirate-infested? Because if they kill us, isn't that losing more time? Damn it, Wand, you've questioned my authority for the first time. You're hereby demoted to Beaumont. Now, all of you go on back to enjoying your coffee there. Oh, and we ran out of Splendor, so I replaced it with passive-aggressive. Go on enjoying it. <laughs> See if I care. <laughs> He runs away, sniffling. The pirates make a souped-up skiff that runs on squalor <laughs> and attack Tom Hanks' ship again. <laughs> Capcom thinks I'm dumb. Tom Hanks tries a new tactic called moving the ship 30 degrees to port to make it harder for the pirates to get their boarding ladders lined up. But then the pirates trick him by him moving the thing 30 degrees back to starboard. They storm into the bridge and shoot AKs at everything except the people. Tom Hanks is all. Now then, we surrendered fair and square. No need to suddenly get intelligent. You surrendered to me, white man? Why you keep shooting flares at us and set our skiffs on fire? Why, that's just an American greeting where we come from. It means happy 4th of July. Why is your first mate laughing right now behind his hand? He's not laughing. That's a gesture of respect. Americans show all primitive peoples. What's your name in this, Tom Hanks? Well, the name of the movies. <laughs> uh, I hate how stupid I am. Insufferable. 
I mean, well, the name of the is Captain Phillips. Not sure what my first name is. I call you Pennsylvania Dutch, Yankee. Now, where is engine room? And why did lights just go out? Oh, there's no engine room in an American ship. <laughs> the lights? That just means it's nighttime. There's still sun in sky, Pennsylvania Dutch boy, and that clock says the words high noon. Oh, that's just Greenwich time. Everybody knows that. Noon is an ancient Eskimo term for Somalian douchebag says what? Why are your mate laughing again? He's not. He's terrified. We all are. Yeah, that gun looks heavy. Let me point at your face here. No more games, Pennsylvanian. <laughs> I mean... Except for ransacking. Everything going to be okay. Why does it say engine room on this map here? This isn't a map. It's a deed to the Brooklyn Bridge. I was supposed to deliver this to the elders in Somalia. But since we're here first, maybe we can work something out. How was that? I mean, where is crew? Get them up here. Crew? I'm not sure. We were playing hide-and-seek when you first showed up, but there's no way for me to communicate with them unless you count 100. Are you playing games with me, white man? You think I'm stupid? Well, the answers to both questions are the same. Gary, go downstairs and wander around in dark. He stands on an apple cart so he can stare Tom Hanks in the face. goes, look at me. Look at me. I'm captain now. Well, that isn't quite how rank works in our society. We haven't required eye contact since the 1830s. My man, find any of your crew alive. I stop making more idle threats, Pennsylvania. Lots more, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Who got hit? What was that? And I'm satisfied with that one more. <clears throat> For safety. <laughs> Gary, what happened? Boss, they put broken glass on the steps. Then I fall over a tripwire, and paint can't smash me in face. I hear giggling. The ship's cursed. Okay, Gary, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Why are your friend laughing again, Pennsylvania? Nothing funny going on here. I try to tell them that. Hey, I remember now. The engine room's right in that safe. The combination's anything. You better not try any more monkey business, Pennsylvania. I'm not some buffoon. Gary, open the safe. I'm scared, boss. Do it. Any safe. Oh! White man. <laughs> so tedious. White man, you say safe as engine room, but boxing glove on crank pop out and hit my friend with pie. He's dazed. Gary, hang in there. Jerry, I'm allergic. No more fun and games, white man. Me and my friends leave this boat now. Goodbye. Hey, you mind if I come along with you? I haven't had this much fun all week. No, you can't. White man, I said don't. Great. Now we're seeking white boat. Captain Phillips, this is the Navy. We need you to stay in your seat so we can shoot the pirates through the windows. <laughs> Actually, in English, should have asked that first. So. <laughs> Ixnay on the pirate thing. <laughs> Roger that, you might have to swim. No, swim negatory, Captain Phillips. You're overcomplicated. Oh, fuck, man in the water. <laughs> Captain Phillips, he leave rake in lifeboat. We keep stepping on it. Three black eyes and one broken nose. Please send help immediately. Navy to pirates, we're sending you a medic. If you have a clear shot at Captain Phillips, execute. Repeat, we are unable to assist. Captain Phillips to pirates, the elders are here with me on the ocean floor. They told me to tell you that all your guns now shoot coca leaves and to punch each other's groans as hard as you can. Uh, skinny pirate, we have a billion dollars for you. We just need you to come aboard and handcuff yourself. That works. <laughs> Suspensefully. Oh, God, they pop. 
We have a billion dollars. Up in the infirmary, a nurse is all, Sir, is this Somalian guy's eyeball with a sniper bullet sticking out of it yours? Not all of it. Uh. <laughs> it's, he's the same character. It's just bad writing. Don't worry, sir, you're safe now. Actually, the skinny pirate tricked us all into locking ourselves in here with you when he's taken over the ship, and we're now headed to Somalia. Do you have any idea where he learned these tactics? And why is your friend laughing behind his hand? <laughs> That's not his hand. Uh, thank you, Kelly Wind. <laughs> I changed a couple things, like the we did. There was a little creative license taking, but we expect that. At this Back point. to the book for a lot of details and the people who were there at the time. Uh, all right. Dingus, why don't you go first? What did you think? Of, well, uh, real quick, Paul Greengrass check. Uh, I think we all know uh, Bloody Sunday and certainly United 93, the second Bourne movie. Uh, I believe we're... Don't I forget I, Greentown. I was going to say, I think we've all been a little disappointed in the, the last Bourne movie and Green Zone. Um, is that all that he's done? Since? Wait, he didn't make the Jeremy Renner one. Did he? No, no, yeah. the, the last uh, – uh, oh, he did, didn't he, Dingus? What? Didn't he make Ultimatum? No, no, the um, – that's the third Damon. Yeah, the Born Leg – the Jeremy Renner one. Was that him? That's the fourth one, and it was the Born Legacy. Right. Which is movie speak for a different actor. Uh, and that was – was that Paul Greengrass? Do we know? No, he did, <laughs> he did Ultimatum last. I forget what the um, – Legacy. Well, Born Legacy was Tony Gilroy. Who yeah, originally yeah. did the point. So uh, right. So uh, I think we've had some mixed opinions. On, like, I, you know, Paul Greengrass at this point in his career, for me personally, it could go either way. So I was kind of approaching this with a little guarded optimism. Uh, that kind of goes for all of us, doesn't it? Would we all agree with that? When someone made well, when someone's last movie I didn't like isn't good, then I start wondering if it's a streak. Mm-hmm. Because United 93 was three or four ago. Burn Supremacy is good. Wait, he did do the third one. He did the second two. He did the second and third, but the fourth one was – and the first one were uh, – were, no, the first one was Doug Lyman. The final one, the fourth one, was Tony Gilroy. Right. Uh, I don't think – I definitely didn't like Green Zone. And this was, I guess, okay. I don't know. I hadn't have much of an opinion on it. Wow. You don't, so, you don't okay. have an opinion on Captain Phillips? Well, that was an opinion. Uh, here's Kelly Wand's opinion. opinion. It was okay. I don't know. <laughs> that's a fair enough opinion, Kelly Wand. Well, because it's something that just happens, so then the movies are always kind of adhering to these formulas. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, I think I just I'm still a little buzzed from Gravity, and now any movie that doesn't take place in space, <laughs> it seems like the hero's got it easy. Uh, Dingus it's like a fair fight. I don't know. Okay, that's my take. Thing is, how did Captain Phillips uh, hold up for you in the wake of Gravity and uh, Green Zone and whatnot? Um, I kind of have to go with Kelly on this. It was okay. I don't know that that sort of. It was, it was okay. I don't know. I don't. It, 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 it kind of felt like I was watching a uh, TVization of uh, this thing that happened. Um, I'm pretty much a sucker for things that happen emotionally. So when uh, Tom Hanks was uh, going through that whole period of being in shock, I kind of fell for it and fell to pieces, but uh, especially given the other movie that you made me watch, um, I kind of just felt like I was okay with it. I mean, there were things that I thought were interesting. Um, uh, there were performances I liked, but on balance, I don't feel like 
I don't know. I, I think Kelly kind of really actually said it perfectly when he said he was okay with it. Uh, for me, it feels like a pretty conventional thriller for the most part that as it's going on, I am wondering why we're making a thriller out of this. Because as I was yeah. watching this, and, and Kelly, one, your comment about it being sort of fresh in our memories, you know, when this happened, uh, I, I, it, it was a huge news event and it was, uh, you know, in the in the wake of just all the, the Somali piracy and how frustrating it's been to have this, this victory handed to us with this incident with an American taking hostage. I think we all remember that. So yeah. watching the movie, there's, there's a surprising lack of, of dramatic tension. Um, there really is. Isn't that weird? And, and it's also highlighted, Dingus, by it. I consistently get the sense that these Somalis, they're outgunned, they're outsmarted, they're in over their heads. Um, there, there was never any tension for, I mean, they had a hostage, but some of the visuals really drive home the point that it, it's, it's not a fair fight, dramatically or in terms of uh, who's got the leverage here. <clears throat> when you see that little skiff in the water and these three Navy ships behind it, I sort of feel like, why is there, you know, why is there a movie of this? It's such kind of a non-event. There's no way that these guys are going to get anything out of this. And even the visuals of these emaciated actors playing the Somalis, and there's a point where you see these beefy Navy SEALs dressing up. Yeah. And putting on all their gear and stuff. And drop out of a plane. They so drop what? out of planes and they're on an aircraft carrier. It just feels so lopsided and, and, and weird. And, and and as the movie – Is that deliberate, do you think? Well, that's kind well, of a geopolitical statement in a way, I guess. But it, I, I think what at some point this script was trying to do, and I don't feel it's successful in this – is try to kind of play like a dog day afternoon where yeah. you're supposed to sympathize with them. And you even get the, the you know, one of the guys is young and his foot is cut and he can't feel it anymore and he's worried about losing it. And then the other guy, the main leader, at a couple of points sort of muses things like, oh, I thought it was going to be easier than this. And, you know, I have a boss. And uh, there's there's this sense that I guess we're supposed to sympathize with him. Um you know, this line at one point about, I've come too far, Irish, I can't give up. Like, I, are we supposed to think of these guys are like anti-heroes? Or just the dramatic structure of this just really felt off for me, as far as building tension and eliciting sympathy. Um, so yeah. for those kind of reasons, I, it didn't quite work that well. Because also the sailors act really freaked out and terrified, but then they fucking, they <laughs> annihilate. God, I know. I know. <laughs> they just pummel them with that, like, with broken glass and acting dumb. I mean, I don't know. They get off really easily. Uh, I liked what Tom Hanks was doing, I think, as an actor, because he just seemed like a convincing, like what a guy like that in those conditions would be like. But it also seemed very, um, I don't know. I don't know what it was what it was trying to evoke in me. Besides, yeah, I also had the constant sense that they could have just overwhelmed them at any moment. And I know that that's sort of a, you know, you're not in the situation, so you think, yeah, I could have done that. Or like, you know, uh, who said like that? Mark, about, Mark Wahlberg about, yes, you know, exactly. about the United Flight 93, right? Exactly. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like, I just would have, you know, been an action hero star at that point. But but you get that sense because, like, one guy is down amongst a crew of however many guys. And and then and they do take two that of them. Guy. Yeah, and you just feel like they could just overwhelm him. Why aren't they doing that? Uh, and I shouldn't have that sense. I should have a sense of more, I don't know, menace or something. And I, I mean, I like 
the, I like Barkat Abdi. I think he does a, a good job, but yeah. I don't know if he's properly Is he supposed to be cast. good at his job? Is he a good pirate? He never kills anyone. I think he's just desperate. Uh, and, yeah. you know, he's, he's a he's a scrappy guy who has just taken control of a prison gang. You know, I mean, that's kind of the sense I get that he's just gotten his chance to be Scarface and he's taking it and this is what he's going to do. But he's not up to it. Well, no, I think he no, is. I think, and I think is. we're supposed to believe him when he says, I got a Greek freighter and we got six million for it. Like, I'd like to I see that movie, to be honest. Well, there is a movie you could see called The Hijacking <laughs> that Jinx and I saw. That had a, it had a limited release last summer. It'll be on DVD this week, actually. Uh, there's a Danish movie by a fellow named Tobias Lindholm. And if you know Thomas Vinterberg, another Danish director, uh, Lindholm has worked with him a lot. He wrote his last movie uh, called The Hunt. Um, and so he directed and wrote this movie about Somali pirates hijacking a Danish cargo ship that didn't have the luxury of the American military uh, watching its back. Um, and it plays the whole angle very differently, Kelly Wand. It's a very different kind of movie, and I can't help but think back to having seen a hijacking while watching uh, Captain Phillips. Like, Captain Phillips is almost just that whole lopsided bit. I almost feel watching Captain Phillips like it's it, it kind of has this weird spiking the ball feel to right, it. Right, Uh-huh. Uh, and a hijacking is completely the other side of the picture, of the dynamics of taking hostages, the psychological toll it takes, um, the communications. The amount of, the amount of yeah. time it takes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we'll have some coverage of that posted for the DVD release later this week. Uh, but, Dingus, I think you're with me in that I, I loved a hijacking, and it didn't make this sort of thriller treatment easier for me to watch in, in Captain Phillips. No, it just does some fascinating things with with timeline and with human psychology and with what it shows and doesn't show uh, because of, you know, basically kind of imagining um, what you're going to be able to understand as somebody who's looking in to what is going on in a hijacking or what's going on in this particular situation. This is um, and I don't I don't know how I don't. I don't really know why I feel this way, but like I, I, I love the way uh, United 93 plays out. I love the way uh, this isn't all Greengrass, of course, but I love the way Zero Dark Thirty plays out. Um, I feel like I, I want to be shown those interpretations of what happened. Um, but as the in in Captain Phillips, as we're being shown the the pirates coming alongside the ship and putting on the ladder and the, and him tacking back and forth and whatnot. I, I just feel like we're just kind of being shown uh, a MSNBC reenactment <laughs> of this is, this is how the hijacking actually happened. This is how the ladder fit to the, <laughs> this is what happened. Then they yeah. came this way. Then they, this is how hoses work. And then they climbed up this and all that, crap about pirate cages didn't matter and it just feels it just feels like a TV dramatization and I I, I don't know why it's so much different and I, maybe you guys can help me than, than seeing say United Night 3 or even Bloody Sunday well uh, yeah, um, oh, when you a lot of reasons there, yeah. oh I don't know about that one well firstly uh, like it, it's worth pointing out too uh, 
one of the kind of amazing things about the Danish movie, a hijacking, it doesn't even show the hijacking. It doesn't. Like it, 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 yeah. is the, it is not the least bit interested in the dynamics of who springs on whom with a gun and how the captain first reacts. And it is not interested in the action sequences, by the way. Uh, and, and this is, I think, way more interested in that. I mean, this is definitely there's some hide and seek and people outsmarting each other. This is way more like Die Hard than United yeah. 93 or Bloody Sunday, I think. Um, and I, I, you know, it's being sold that way. I, I, I feel. Yeah. And and part of my problem, thing is, you said, well, I, I was so aware that I was watching Tom Hanks, and I don't think he helped sell the stakes very well, um, because he was so, like, he was constantly outsmarting them and playing little tricks with them, and and I don't think he was selling this idea of fear or intimidation. And, and maybe that's how it really was, and if so, that's that's fine. But as, again, the dramatic structure: these four guys are so in over their heads, even when it comes to having the captain show them around. You know, I think of in how it plays in a hijacking, where there's clearly a sense that these guys are ruthless, that they've done it before, that they know what they're doing, that they know that they're in for the long haul. This really did feel like kids shoplifting, uh, as far as the the competency level. And and Tom Hanks is just such a commanding presence that it, it was kind of just. Distracting for me, um, when he gives that uh, that speech at the well, when when they're in the skiff at the end, and Tom Hanks is talking to I think it's the young guy because I think at that point the captain has left. Maybe it is to the captain, but he has this speech where he says to one of them, you know, there's got to be something other than kidnapping people that you can do, and maybe that was the we all got bosses exchange. But when he says that, I could not help but think of Marge Gunderson and Fargo talking <laughs> to Steve Buscemi about, you know, why'd you put your fr- or no, talking to Peter Stormari about why'd you put your friend in the wood chipper, you know, all this for money. I, it just felt like so paternalistic and patronizing, and and he was just he's so commanding in in this movie uh, that that it just never felt like those other guys stood a chance. How did you feel about his little moment where he's suddenly writing a note and then he attacks the guy? Where did that come from? What yeah. was that? <laughs> was, was he doing that on purpose? Well, that's so I, like, I, I don't know if that's real, but that really smacked to me of of a star going, you know, I need to do something heroic here. Can we plug in something? <laughs> I have to but make screws, reference. But he screws everything up. Like, they've got everything. You know, they're going to pull it. I guess he is about to get shot. I don't know. It's plain. He makes them get near the windows. He distracts them, basically. But an accident? Uh, well, that's the thing. He's writing a note, so he wouldn't. And the note looks to be looks like a real note, and it's like. But these guys get fooled when the dude throws a wrench, and they go, oh, and then they run, run over to the other catwalk. Like they've never heard of that trick before in Somalia. What the fuck? They've been seeing cartoons. But yeah, that was weird. That he he kind of messed everything up, and and there's yeah. that whole tension thing where we're waiting on the third window to turn green. All that just felt so contrived to me. Why are they even alone in the first place? Why is it? It's like there's a whole convoy that the pirates can't attack. But why are they creeping up? Is that even explained? Because in 1993, it really is like it was just one of those targets of opportunity. I guess we're just like, but why is this one ship the one that gets targeted? Well, the because ships are alone. I mean, I mean that doesn't. Why is it alone? Okay. 
Well, they don't. I don't think they're normally running them in convoys, are they? I mean, it's not like they're trying to defend against U-boats or, or something. I, I think it's just every now and then some of them are more distant from others, and those are the ones they have to pick on. So that I, I don't know. I didn't quite understand the mechanics either. All right. Anyway, um, maybe it's a small thing. Why did the seals parachute in? I didn't. Yeah, and where did they land? Did they land on that ship? Well, what? they landed in the water and then fired up a little zodiac raft or something. I guess they had to sit there and that blow it up. up. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a great. Scene. They done that from the ship, though. They already have a fucking aircraft carrier. I don't know. But my thinking was that to get there quickly because the helicopter would be slower than. So I, yeah, it just seemed a little. It seemed a little much. Thirty insert here, like okay, it's just like the Osama thing. Because we had his had hostage, was he more fucked up? But it's really like their easiest job of the week, probably. Uh, I do want to talk about what Dingus mentioned, and the reason that I'm glad I saw this movie because it's it's a serviceable thriller. I didn't dislike it, um, but man, that that scene with the the Navy corpsman at the end, like I feel like that right there just redeemed the fact that I'd seen this kind of rote thriller that was okay to just have that emotional moment with Tom Hanks at the end and that amazing. She's not an actress because she's never been oh, in. She's, she's so an actual good. Navy corpsman. Yeah, Danielle Albert, by the way, is her name. Uh, and and to have that amazing amazing scene where she's just being dispassionate and professional and checking him out and and he's just acting like crazy it's an amazing performance with this woman just doing what she does as her job she is an actual navy corpsman i loved that scene so much man it, it just it made me so glad i saw the movie um i don't know that you can i don't know that an actor can mimic that voice the yeah. way, she, the way yeah. she does it it is so perfectly monotone and, and without rehearsal it just seems like this this thing that she has done uh, a thousand times or you can just and you immediately feel it you feel like the authenticity of it and I love what she's doing there and I really really do like what Tom Hanks is doing there I don't, I don't necessarily I'm not really getting I don't know. The rest of his performance, I, I feel like he listened to the way Richard Phillips talks and then did like a, a cartoon parody of it. Um, so I, where I sat through the movie going, what is this accent he's doing? And then I've heard a couple interviews with Richard Phillips and like, oh, okay, well, Tom Hanks listened to him talk and then he did that. Um, but at the end, when he's in shock and she's there to play against him, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like telling him, you know, take a deep breath. Like telling him to do everything. I mean, just as a little acting moment, he's breaking apart, and she's telling him the things to do to not cry and to not uh, fall apart like that. And it's it's so kind of reassuring. Uh, just the tension in that scene between him falling apart and her trying to keep him together and just check him and, and being very professional and describing the laceration on his head. Uh, God, I loved that scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How long was he in that lifeboat? Because he's supposed to come when he's talking to her. He's been in there for what three years? Three, three, three years. days. Yeah. Three years. Yep. Three years. It was a three-year journey. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Longer three days. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's. It's almost like the first voice he's heard in England, like friendly. I don't know, not friendly, friendly, not bedside friendly even. But he's. Tell me one, how would you? How would you describe her friendliness? Uh, I've heard it. I've heard that I, it's usually it's actually the default tone women use with me. One two three, not only you and me got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. One two three, beat upon every getting down with three feet. Was that non duress, Kelly? One. Supper time. Supper time. That wasn't the one. 
But all right. Come on, is, is your safe word separate time? <laughs> I don't have a safe word. That's for pussies. Uh, let's do a three by three, y'all. How do you feel about this? I, I, I kind of have a little three by three regret. So what I asked you guys to do last week is each give me a character, an actor, and a director. The director will direct the actor playing the character. So we're making our own movies. Uh, I'm yeah. okay with what I came up with, but man, I had a completely. I thought this would go a completely different way when I when I mentioned this last week. I don't think I did it right. So. Uh, well, you know what, Kelly Wand, you're allowed to do things your own way. Oh, your unique charm. Uh, so next week's three by three. Whose is it? Is it Dingus's? Yeah. Dingus, so why don't you start us off by giving us your numbers? I don't even know what to call this. A character, an actor, and a director. Give us a line from it, Dingus. <laughs> so it's, it was a character that could be from history or fiction. Yes. Right. Correct. Uh, or even contemporary character, you know. What? What's that? What? Could it look so for it could be like it Barack be, Obama. Or, no, no, I would say it could be yeah. uh, Richard Phillips, played by Tom Hanks, directed by Paul Greengrass, for instance. What about the future of like in like Barack Obama as an old man? I like where you're going, Kelly Wan. I can't wait to hear about the casting. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Oh, oh. nice, Kelly Wan. The mm. <laughs> yeah, right. mine are Dwayne Johnson filling in for Harrison Ford. Oh, so good. All right, Dingus, so what is your number three pick? What do you got for us? Speaking of substance abuse. Uh, what? Okay, what? Tom's cat's getting up on the uh, mantelpiece, sounds it's like. It's pronounced cot. <laughs> the cot, Martha. Hit it with the paper. I said it's not. Catherine Keener in this movie. <laughs> you know, like her, she has one scene and she has like one line, and like I, I love Catherine Keener's actually, but it seems like she's not. I don't think she'd be married to that dude. I don't know. Yeah, she was married to James Gandolfini. What's she doing in this movie? Did she just fly off to this? Uh, anyway. Oh, my God. Spoilers. My, my, my mistake. Uh, <laughs> number three is Thomas Covenant, or as uh, Tom calls him, uh, Canticle of Leibowitz. Um, so I would want Thomas Covenant. I would want him. Wait a minute. Real quick, before you go any further, remind me again. This is a like a post-apocalypse sci-fi thing? No. It's uh, He's a leper. What? We have to explain it to him, Dingus. Yeah, explain to me who this is, because I confuse it with I want to hear Dingus's, what Dingus knows about him, and then I'll see if I even know anything, even as much. It's, as it's not post-apocalyptic. It's uh, it's more like a uh, a tale of two worlds, you know, like um, <laughs> like the uh, going through the uh, war. I oh, can't wait. I, I never want this moment to end. I'm picturing Tom's brain right now, processing it. So the first, uh, the first book in the uh, Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, the Unbeliever, um, is Lord Falstaff. Lord Falstaff. Uh, these books are written by Stephen R. Donaldson. Uh, I've mentioned them before on here when I think Kelly wanted to talk about adaptations or something. Um, and so now I'm actually casting the movie and going to choose who's directing it. So difficulty here uh, is that. Uh, this is a really difficult part to cast because he's he's a protagonist. Um, Thomas Coven is a protagonist who's supremely unlikable from the beginning of the book. In fact, I've mm. I've I've uh, I love these books and I've read them a couple of times, but they're really difficult to get into uh, because the guy is a real dick. Um, Can I recommend I mean, someone? Yeah, go ahead. Danny Houston. Uh, Danny Houston will not be able to carry this movie. I apologize. Sorry. Right. Um, 
And he's a he's a big gaunt guy who is indeed. Uh, but this was written in seventy seven, I think, or at least it was published then. Um, he's so he's very much an, an anti hero. Uh, I mean, to the extreme. He's a he's a guy who has leprosy, and so the first fifty, you know, twenty five fifty pages of the book are dedicated to him talking about leprosy and his wife leaving him with their kid and uh and eventually this sort of magical thing happens where he goes over to this uh, other world called the land wait is this modern day or is it some fictional history past or something no it, it's it's you know in the 70s it's it's at that time yeah so uh, a dude has leprosy in the 70s yeah i mean people do get diseases i think we've cured that nope with what leprosy Sex? vaccine oh it's true. He's right, got so tell you off. Okay, so a dude in the seventies. I thought this was some weird fantasy thing where you cast spells or whatnot. So a dude in the seventies gets leprosy. <laughs> his family leaves him, and something magical. What's the magical thing? He he goes yeah. into another world. There's like he a, has a magic like a parallel. Ring. Uh, what did no. you say, Kelly? Sorry. He has a magic wedding ring because it's got white gold on it. That's why he's, he's just called White Goldwalder. There's also a giant named uh, Foam Follower, Tom. Yes. I like, like where this is going. Go he's ahead. Wielder. He's not welding the gold. He's wielding it. Uh, wielding it. Did you? Are you calling us from a lifeboat right now? I thought that was you. I thought it was you. Tom? Who is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm waiting to hear about what this other magical land is that Thomas. Uh, anyway, it's called the land, actually. Um, and the first thing that happens to the guy is he rapes somebody. Uh, because when he goes to this new land, his nerves are Gross. regenerated. And so it's he's the worst protagonist ever to get used to, which means that uh, it's going to be a really, really tough role to play, but it also has a huge payoff um, as he becomes the hero of the story. So uh, so I'm going to cast, of course, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, um, because he's this, this huge, this big, gray, gaunt, sickly... Uh, anti-hero, and I think I'm going to have to have uh, Alfonso Cuaron uh, direct it. You're just saying that because of gravity. Mm, no, I'm saying it because of, of Harry movie. Potter. Prisoners. Harry Potter movie, exactly. Okay. Jesus, but, I didn't know Thomas Covenant was a raper. I don't, I don't like him anymore. Well, the daughter that he is not a raper. He's a rapist. He is. You just said he was. Oh. He's a leper rapist. <laughs> is that on his business card? <laughs> Yeah. All right, Kelly Wan, what do you think of his casting and his choice of director? Who is the director? Oh, yeah. Alfonso Cuaron. And Daniel Day-Lewis is Thomas Covenant. Yep. And Miley Cyrus is Lena. We're not casting the rest of the movie. Foam Follower. Yeah, who's going to play Form Follower? Who's Lord Fowl? Form Follower. Um, Actually, you know, I had considered not letting myself cast... uh, Oscar winners. So uh, if if Daniel Day Lewis is not available, then I will have James Nesbitt play the part. Doesn't he call him Groveler a bunch of times? All right, Groveler. Yes. Get out of, get out of my cave. The thing say? is, the difference between James Nesbitt and Daniel Day Lewis is pretty huge. You can sure you you're a, Can you do a, a, a an equation to tell me what the difference is? Yeah, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is to James Nesbitt as Dwayne Johnson is to Vin Diesel. Mm, ouch. <laughs> I mean, I like both of them. Don't get me wrong. Come on, I'm a Riddick fan. I'm a huge fan of, of Tooth Fairy. You know, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying anything disparaging about I'm it. Huge anymore. fan of it. <laughs> All right, uh, I like where you're going with that, Dingus. I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm I'm a little worried about this Thomas Covenant fellow now. I don't think I like him. 
What's something, uh, Dingus, tell me real quick, what's something good that he does? Um, he saves the land. Oh, okay, well that can make and up for it. The, the idea is that if he can't do that, then the the normal world, the, his actual world will cease to exist. That's these, it. I remember that. These books were written by Isaac Asimov? <sighs> They're written by Stephen R. Donaldson. Oh, he said that. Who directed The Bounty. Right. Jesus. Oh, nightmare. All right, Kelly Wand, what did you think of this topic, and what's your number three pick? I don't think I did it right, but I like it. Give us what I, you got. Yeah. I feel like I just picked – I did three of them, but then thought I should just make ten more of these because I kind of wanted to make more of them. Okay. Well, we want your best three. Well, I can't promise you that. Okay. But since I'm a fan of the past – a lot of my three are historical. Mm-hmm. Tom said somberly. No, no, I've got a historical one as well. So. Oh, and two years are fictional? One is fictional, one's political. One is tragical historical. <laughs> my genre is thriller. What's yours? Mm, all right, so my number three one is uh, the pirate Blackbeard. And, um, Kelly Wan, you're, you're dangerously close to stepping on my number two. Go on. What? Yep. Okay, it's Sean Connery, but not his Blackbeard. JK. No, it's and then uh, he goes through a time warp and he ends up at Marineland, and then he has to coach a girls' soccer team against the Russians, and it's directed by Spike Lee. I like that you gave us your elevator pitch for it. That's awesome. Kelly, one above and beyond the Call of Duty, my friend. That's the like, weak. That's my weak, weakest, weakest. <laughs> Call of Duty. Get it? Because he stepped on your number two. Well, no, he didn't anymore. He stepped. He started to step on it, and then he just veered miles away from anywhere I was going to go. So, very nice. That's what I do. <laughs> Who's directing it? Spike Lee. But if we can't get Sean Connery for uh, Edward Thatch, as Blackbeard was known in his day. Well, it sounds like you're wanting a young Dr. No era Sean Connery, correct? Yeah, so Lazenby, maybe, if we can't. Because uh... <laughs> right. he doesn't age. And if we can't get Spike Lee, we'll use John Singleton. Well, my number three pick is – and this is in earnest, by the way. All of mine are serious. Uh, Jim Varney earnest or Oscar Wilde? (laughs) So uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, is is, – Wrote the River World books. So when you think of Philip Seymour Hoffman's range of roles, some of his characters are really weak, really – sort of passive, pathetic. Uh, he's not always this crazy, powerful presence like he is in The Master. And I'm thinking specifically of Philip Seymour Hoffman from Happiness, from uh, from Boogie Nights. There's a movie called Owning Mahoney where he's a, a, a guy addicted to gambling who does this heist and gets a lot of money. He's a, he's a Canadian, mild-mannered fellow. Um, but so this is my more pathetic Philip Seymour Hoffman side. Uh, I want <laughs> him playing George Bush. What? And, you know, I, I think he could do interesting, it. actually, because I was thinking about George Bush and remembering that uh, what's his name played him, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin in the in the terrible Oliver Stone thing, and this thing is I want it to be kind of like that. I want it to be about the Bush administration during that era. Uh, it doesn't need you know the, the Oliver Stone had all this like stunt casting and it was played for laughs and it was just kind of expansive and sloppy. Um, this though, I want to be. A serious, weird, off-kilter view of, of America, sort of like P.T. Anderson did with The Master, 
But I want him, I need him to wait for maybe 10, 20 years. We need Philip Seymour Hoffman to be older. But I want P.T. Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, to do a movie about George Bush played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, do you, would you want um, Philip Seymour Hoffman to slim down? Well, he would have to. Uh, you know what? It wouldn't. So much. I, I, I don't even need. I mean, I'm no, wondering. I don't. I don't need because I. I don't necessarily need like a visual. Like I just think of these weak, ineffectual characters that he has played, and I want to see that kind of interpretation of George Bush. Um, so he would be older. I don't know if he'd necessarily. He couldn't be like corpulent, like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, for instance. Um, corpulent. But it, it's it's not like I need him to do any sort of physical simulation of George Bush. Um, Oliver Stone should play Anthony Weiner in your movie, and Toby Jones should play Philip Seymour Hoffman. Toby Jones was in uh, who did he? Toby Jones, I think, was in W. Uh, yeah, uh, did you uh, decide on a title. It's Carl Rove, by the way. Sorry, sorry, Dingus. Yes, did you decide on the title. I did not, but I did think there's a movie called A Single Shot that I want you to see, Dingus. And based on the movie A Single Shot, I want to play Colin Powell. I want Jeffrey Wright in this. What? Jeffrey Wright is so good in a single shot. And I want that take on Colin Powell as this tragically fallen character who was once noble. Uh, I want Sam Jackson to play Colin Powell in like a war movie. Kelly Wan, you're making an, a mockery of this movie. I'm sorry. Okay, back to the politics. <laughs> so I just want – I want. I don't have a name for it. I just want oh. uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's take on – the, the era of the Bush administration at some point, you know, after we've had a little more time. How about it's just called the president? He can call it whatever he wants. Um, and what do you think? I, I, I think you probably said this and I missed it. What do you think of the is the tone? Is the tone like the master? Very much like the master. OK, uh, right. except without a forceful performance, you know, without that. that so creepy fetishisms like the master. But were what Joaquin Phoenix's basically take on on the weirdness of the main character would apply to George Bush. He's not crazy, is he? George Bush? Yeah, I think he's crazy, but he's weird. He's not that weird, is he? He's a child of privilege. That's not. But he's, he's, he he lives in an weird. alternate reality. I yeah. mean, there's yeah. no other way to look at that. Yeah. But everybody, that's America, though. He's the normal. I think he's the mainstream. Kevin, once again, you're making a mockery of this movie. I'm I won't sorry. Well, Keen <laughs> Phoenix is going to play the press. Dick Cheney was weirder. The way he played Bush, wasn't he? Uh, there will be no uh, sand rape in my movie, though. Uh-oh. I will not stand for it. Harumph. Dingus, what is your number two pick for this weird topic? Uh, my number two pick is the character. I'm going to choose a character of Job uh, from the, the Bible. Yes. Job uh, doesn't adapt. <laughs> I don't know. There's an Archibald MacLeish play. That, I don't know any other Jobs. This is a tough one to do. Go ahead, Dingus. Uh, it is, but uh, but I'm going to choose Job. I'm going to cast Mads Mikkelsen and have Nicholas Winding Refn direct it. Oh, okay. You brought me around very quickly there. So I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a jerk. But I have tried watching, and Dingus, I told you this, I have tried watching Hannibal, the NBC series where Mads Mikkelsen plays uh, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Hugh Dancy is in it as Will Graham. Uh, I like Hugh Dancy in it. I, I adore Mads Mikkelsen. That guy's amazing. He, he is part of what makes the Pusher movies so good. He's a force of freaking nature in Valhalla Rising. Um, he's, he's just heartbreaking in The Hunt. Um, but in Hannibal, I feel like he has no idea what's going on. 
I feel like he, I can't understand him half of the time. I feel like he's just kind of looking, waiting for his cue that he's had to phonetically remember. I just, I feel awful feeling that way too, because I have so much admiration for him as an actor, but he's killing Hannibal for me. Kelly, one, have you seen this TV show? No, I don't see movies named after uh, whatever uh, that guy was. Greek. <laughs> it's more of a guideline, to be honest. Uh, who's directing this movie? Nicholas Winding Refn. Oh, I'm such a big fan of the Hall Rising, and I love what Mads Mikkelsen does in it. I love that guy, and I was thinking about what you were saying about Hannibal and how it just wasn't working for you, and the things that that uh, Mads Mikkelsen can do. How much I loved him in After the Wedding, yes. and um, I just find Job to be such a fascinating character. I'm just I'm just amazed that 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 book in the Bible was even written, that God allowed that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to let you do this, this book uh, in, in, my, in my book, in my overall big book, about uh, me making a bet with Satan and me then just decimating this guy's family. And yeah, go ahead. You can do that. And, uh, it doesn't matter that I look bad. Uh, and I could just imagine uh, Nicholas Winding Refn uh, just going nuts with that. And I can just picture Mads Mikkelsen playing Job as his family is sort of decimated because um, because Mads Mikkelsen can do this great sort of version of joy uh, but he can so translate suffering I, I just I can see it um, I just find Job to be such a fascinating character and I would love to see like a major movie I don't know if it's ever been done of that of that character of the character of Job I, I am um, I am fascinated by that story in the Bible by the way that book in the Bible is written um, and I would love to see a movie uh, uh, because there's sort of an epic there's an epic scale to it for what happens to his family and what happens to him as a man and I, I don't know how you would how you would work the whole God Satan angle, how you would play that if you would actually make it literal or make it poetic. Um, but I love the idea of, of, uh, of Nicholas Wynorff doing it. Well, you know, there is a Coen brothers movie where God reveals himself in a, in a whirlwind. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. So there, there's an argument to be made that a serious man is a kind of a joke. Oh, telling. yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, Kelly one. I show up that Nicholas Reffin doesn't blah Job as a project. Dingus, did you get that? I don't think I did. Blah Job. Blah hey, people. Hey. Time. <laughs> there's, there's this moment. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll let you explain your joke in a moment. But there's this moment <laughs> where, <laughs> where Job is scraping boils off of his skin with, like, pottery. Gross. Uh, with, like, Why is he using pottery for it? Well, he's just, he's just, I, I think I I'm going to make myself that. even more miserable. Well, he has to scrape the boils off of his skin. If I really wanted to see the equivalent that of taking, it's like taking a coat hanger and ramming it down a cast to scratch yourself. It's that right. kind of thing. Oh, right. uh, I use pottery for that too. But wait, why, um, I remember at the end, doesn't he get like a new family? Like, yeah, it, he, there's a lot of, uh, the, so as Job was handed down, Job is one of the earlier parts of the Bible, and it's some folklore that gets adapted. But part of the adaptation to the canon is that Job sort of – God makes nice with him. and says, okay, yeah. now you've get, you get a family that's even better now. So. And you get yeah. a car, and you get a car. <laughs> All his other family members, the dead ones in hell, go, wait, what happened? There was a bet? What? Like his daughter's like, wait, I had a date that night, and you're boils, pottery, dad, really? 
But I do like the the idea, Dingus, of this mythical Valhalla Rising treatment towards it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, Noah uh, is going to be Aronofsky, so... Oh, that's right, Kelly Wand! ...is not what? that far-fetched. Okay. Aronofsky a- making Noah with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah, I hope we get fat Russell Crowe back as, as Darren Aronofsky's Noah. That's fat or not. I really like fat Russell Crowe. I just want him to let himself go. Russell Crowe, just keep eating, buddy. I, I love him. He's so avuncular. Jack Aubrey's fat, too, so when he plays him again in the Master and Commander sequel, it'll be... When is that coming out, Kelly Wand? What time is it? You'll find out later on in my number two. <laughs> well, well, it's time for that, Kelly Wand. What is your number two pick for this topic? Uh, it wasn't that. I was trying to trick you. That's... My real number two... Okay, it's like, uh, it's like Monsters, Inc., but that prequel where they're in college, but it's like gods instead of monsters. So it's like Scott Baio is teenage god, and Willie Ames is Noah, his mischievous friend, and it's Kurt Cameron as Satan, and Shia LaBeouf is Harrison Ford, Steven Seagal is Buddha, Nick Swordson is Odin, Jason Bateman is Xeno, Glenn Eastwood is Sauron, Taylor Lautner as the voice of Cthulhu, Cal Penn is Vishnu, John Hughes, Principal Whiteman, and it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And it's kind of like a talent show against the cool kids at like the prep school universe. It doesn't even count as breaking the topic. I think it breaks the universe. (laughs) That's definitely on a, there's a sort of a cosmic scale that you got going on with that. That's very nice. Except (laughs) games. And I'm glad to see you giving Scott Bayo some work. Yeah, and Kirk Cameron, he gets to play Satan, so he can show. Kirk Cameron's doing plenty of work. He's he's yeah. doing Christian movies, I believe. It's Saracen Ford. Maybe it'll make your point. And um, I don't know, Steven Seagal. He's got that Asian mystique already. No, I get it. Yeah, I like it. Nick Swartzen, underrated. Is Odin? Does this have a title? No, just number two. Kelly Wan, here's where I thought you were going to step on mine with your black beard, but, but you didn't. Uh, there's a game coming out later this month called Assassin's Creed 4 Black Knight, and it's what? There's four of those and still only three thieves? Fuck. <laughs> I'm just uh, so the new Assassin's Creed is a pirate-themed one, and uh, I've, I've gotten to play it, and they do uh, they, they bring in famous pirates, and they touch on a couple that I, I would have loved to have seen fleshed out more. They don't do much with this story, and I'd heard this story before. Um, Kelly Wan, didn't uh, – you would know this. Didn't Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis do some – Yeah, Cut Yeah, and what was that about? Matthew Modine was the dude. It was uh, them in slow motion, like, trying to catch up with the stagecoach. Were they historical pirates, though, or was it just – No. But William Goldman wrote a Blackbeard script called The Sea Kings that was never produced. Well, there's a – historically, there's a there's a pirate named uh, Jack Rackham who uh, – Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I don't. I don't. He's not. not interesting. Yeah, Calico Jack is not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is a chapter in the story of him about uh, a woman he. I don't know if he married, but a a pirate that he worked traveled with. Worked with. They had. They were colleagues. uh, A a woman named Anne Bonny. Yeah. Who uh, was an English woman who uh, left her husband. Who. Took in, who sort of threw in her lot with these pirates and who fought alongside yeah. Jack Rackham. But but the story doesn't stop there, actually. Uh, what's more interesting to me than Anne Bonny and Jack, Jack Rackham is a woman named Mary Reed, who uh, she, she was also British. She dressed as a man and joined the military because, of course, she couldn't as a woman. Uh, and during peacetime, when she wasn't in war, she, she turned to piracy. So at one point, Mary Reed, who was this woman dressed as a, disguising herself as a man, uh, Traveled and pirated with Calico Jack and Anne Bonny, 
and and that's amazing to me. They they were eventually caught. Uh, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny were sen- sentenced to be executed, and they they claimed they were pregnant. Yeah. So the execution was stayed until they could have their babies, at which point they were then executed. Oh, really? Uh, I thought they got off the hook for permanent. No, no. Mary Reed was executed, but no one's entirely sure what happened to Anne Bonny. Um, Fuck. Or maybe I have it the other way around. Uh, but probably what happened is they were indeed executed. Um, what happened to the kids? Is that the second movie? I don't know. Oh, there you go. That's the sequel, Kelly Wand. But what I want with this movie, because you know we've seen big-budget action movies with dudes. That's fine. I love the opportunity this gives us to have a big-budget historical action movie. Uh, I even have a name for the genre. Somebody has surely thought of this, but I, I'm pretty sure I also thought of it. These are, this is going to be called uh, Corsets and Cutlasses uh, action movie. Corsets comes first? Cutlasses, well, you can spin it however you want. Depends on the approach the director takes. My director, I think it might go Cutlasses and Corsets. Um, but who I want playing Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. I don't, I don't care about Calico Jack, whatever. Uh, I want Katie Jarvis, who hasn't done anything uh. since, since Fish Tank, <laughs> to, to play Mary Reed, who is That's the scary. pirate who, who has to disguise herself as a man. And I want Charlize Theron to be Anne Bonny. Uh, and it's mainly about the two of them. Now, for a big-budget movie like this, it's a historical drama that's going to have you know action, a lot of CG, of course. I'm okay with that. Strong female characters, and we need the crew dynamics of their ship is called, I think, the Revenge. The crew dynamics of the Revenge. We're pressing Joss Whedon into service for this. Ah, uh, mm, eh, I want an R-rated though. No, yeah, okay, we can do that. It can have. I don't think case. he's R. Well, all right. I would R- get one with Oh, <laughs> see what Dingus did, Kelly Wand. Yeah, uh, I like Dingus. He's a pretty fine fellow. So I, I, I thought of this, Kelly Wand. I mentioned to you before we recorded. There was a, a cheesecake vampire movie in the, I guess this is the '90s. I don't think it was the '80s. Called uh, Embrace of the Vampire with Alyssa Milano. Exactly. It had a lot of nudity, a lot of cheesecakes, sort of thing you'd see on Cinemax a lot. It was recently remade as Embrace of the Vampire, but but in 2013, uh, with a terrible, just blank-faced, vapid actress playing the Alyssa Milano part. But what they did to try to make her more dynamic, the idea is that she she's going to a new school and she falls in with these new people and somewhere there's a vampire in there who's going to seduce her. But in order to get her to this school, she's there on a, on a fencing scholarship. So she's a fencer. Uh, and they do all these scenes where there's a, it's supposed to show the physicality of the fencing where they're clearly having to cut around her and she doesn't know what she's doing. And it just it made me think what a shame it is that we we can't have that sort of traditional male physicality with action stuff with a lot of actresses. Uh, so this is going to have a lot of sword fighting. So we're going to need Katie Jarvis and Charlize Theron to train extensively for, for this. Hmm. They can fake anything now, though, can't they? Because, like... Uh Kill Bill 2 had that fight with Uma Thurman and Dan. Yeah, but uh, but she knows what, I think Uma Thurman knows what she's doing, doesn't she? This makes me think of Byzantium. I like that, Dingus. Very good. Yep. These girls aren't undead, by the way. Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. They're not undead. We're not doing any Captain Sparrow action, Dingus. We're not having right. any of that silliness. So, so you know. Mm. They're fun right. dead. So there's my number two, <laughs> uh, a, a chick pirate movie. Dingus, we're down to your number one pick. Oh, down to it. Fun dead. <laughs> that? Really? Yeah. That's sweet. That's See, good. you never know it's going to get dingus. I'm a low-hanging fruit. It's a wild fruit. card. It's a joker. Can I tell you? 
All right, so this is the the character that I'm talking about from his. This is a character from history, and this character is named Laika. What? Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love where this is going. Okay, yes, go on. So this is oh, Laika, this the, uh, the Russian uh, space dog. Uh, I'm of course I'm going to cast Abby. Um, Abby was played. No, Abby played Sam. Uh, the dog named Abby played Sam in I Am Legend. No, Dingus, come on. Give the dog in Paranormal Activity 2 some work. No, that dog is named Abby, but I prefer the acting of the dog named Abby who played the character Sam in I Am Legend. Sure. I think that dog's acting is awesome. And one of the things that, that I really loved in sort of, uh, if you want to call this researching it, is reading uh, what Will Smith had to say about working with this dog. Oh. He was just absolutely nuts about her. That she's Get it? super incredibly smart, and uh, and just a, a very empathetic dog. Really good at just when when they had to go, she could just run up to her mark and hit her mark. And, and he didn't, you know, up to that point, he did not want to get to know dogs. He doesn't want a dog. He does because <laughs> he just feels horrible about getting attached to them because he's he's lost pets before. Um, but this dog was just amazing to work with um and you can tell that i mean i just love i love sam i love that character sam so much and and the dog who plays uh sam is named abby so i would have abby play like a uh this uh this russian spaceship dog now um the the actual story of like is a little sad uh because of it's course. super sad yeah, it's very sad, and it's very short, uh, because it's it's probable that Laika just died of overheating on the way as as the rocket took off, not as, you know, the Russians told us. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of... I thought it died before, like it died before even reentry. It sounds know. like what Dingus is saying is it died before exit. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, it's... On the way up. The idea is that it died within hours after after the after the rocket was launched. So yeah, so there, there was overheating that went on, and and they said that uh, that there were various reports, but that uh, there that they uh, euthanized the dog uh, because. Uh, it, at any rate, this isn't really going to be an actual historical recounting of it. It's going to be this sort of like adventure, as if as if like I had. Uh, Lived. Had had lived and and maybe and maybe even and th- this is going to sound a little weird sort of the the dying um, a mental hallucination of of what happens Bridget so that, Ox so that like it goes on to another world but but I, I don't know I don't know exactly where the script is going to go yet but but I'm going to have <laughs> I'm going to have Duncan Jones write and direct. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Dingus in this movie can like a talk is it like Snow Dogs is it like uh, like a uh, no, uh, it's and and Zagaru Jack. In fact, That's it's going extreme. to be more extreme than Gravity. It's not going to have extreme. any dialogue whatsoever. It's just the experience of Laika in outer space. This ain't your grandma's Laika movie. It's, it's going to be extreme. This ain't your grandma's Laika movie. This is very much a a, a Sundance, uh, no dialogue movie of this of dog alone uh, in outer space, and maybe maybe having flashbacks <laughs> of her owner. Uh, or of uh, people that she's had contact with, so maybe a little touching on what happens, you know, in the the mystical outreaches of space, a la two thousand one. Dingus, can I can I make a suggestion? Just yes, maybe please. maybe I haven't I have some notes for you. Yeah, I do. The, the first note I have: Can we maybe see about a Dudley Moore voiceover? 
Oh, that's Tom's first note. <laughs> Take note. <laughs> Kelly Wine, what's your note? Uh, what do you have to say about voiceover, Tom? Uh, God help you if your character has to resort to voiceover. That's my impression of Brian Cox from Adaptation. Very well done. Um, wait, so what happens? The dog goes into space, and then it doesn't die in your version, but goes on to see monoliths, no dialogue, and then aliens, or it goes through a wormhole, or it becomes the, president. The... the the possibilities are endless. I mean, I really see this as sort of the the dog <laughs> going into another dimension, or even having this be the dying hallucination of of this dog that's the first dog sent into space, like into um, the void. Yeah, very good. All right, I like um, it, Dingus. Dingus just uh, ended a pitch meeting with executives by saying, "Look, the possibilities are endless." All right, <laughs> Dingus. My second note. If we don't have work for Abby from Paranormal Activity 2, maybe we can make her play uh, like his wife dog back home. Um, I'm not comfortable with that because of the implications of what we're doing to women in this country. <laughs> is marriage allowed between a dog and a dog, by the way? Is it, does our country allow that? Does our, do we recognize that? Can animals get married? Kelly Wand, what's your opinion? Mm, they can have mistresses. They can have domestic, you know, domesticated partnerships. What if the wife dog is at the Earth's core for another reason? So it's like not only are they separated normally, like the the astronaut dog is always like he's kind of like Robin Williams and Hook with doing the cell phone thing. Like he's just too busy for the kids. Once and again, then, Kelly Wan making a mockery of a perfectly good pitch. And if so she's down, she's at the core. Up. He's going to need a lot of hot pockets and t- and Xena tapes. Wow, that's an obscure quote. Well played, Dingus. Tom, Kelly Wand. Yes, Kelly Wand? He unobtainianed me. I'll say. Speaking of unobtainable, Kelly Wand, what's your number one pick for this topic? Well, I feel we haven't really cracked Dingus's dog story yet, but if you insist on continuing with the podcast in spite of this intolerable situation, I will say that my number one, three by three, whatever you call this topic, is uh, it's called Independent Calypse, and it's like uh, it's John Houseman as Cotton Mather, and it's uh, Danny Trejo as George Washington, and Paul Giamatti as John Quincy Adams, and Anthony Hopkins as John Normal Adams. Kind of shake it up a little, and Tom Arnold's Lincoln, and Selena Gomez as Betsy Ross, and Steve Gutenberg's Paul Revere, and Mr. T is Thomas Jefferson, and they fight King George. He's played by Dwayne Johnson, and it's like a historical old venture. You just threw the Dwayne Johnson in there to get me on board. Yeah. Yeah, at the end. Such pan. So, so what, transparent. Kevin. What's the oh, name of the movie? Independent Independentalypse. Yeah, so when you write the opsis, what's it going to be called? Mm. Independentalopsis. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Wan, did you sprain your tongue saying that? Are you okay? I mean, it's kind of history verbatim, but with acting. All right, Kelly Wan, very good. Independent Columbus, good. Uh, my number one recalls Dingus's. Dingus drew his from a book. Uh, so <laughs> mine is... Uh, what an idiot, huh? <laughs> what's he thinking? Stupid Dingus. Movies are movies and books are books. I read a book. Yeah. Uh, 
so there's a there's a there's a William Faulkner novel called called Light in August, uh, <sighs> which is a very dark Southern Gothic story about, about racism and sexuality and religion, and all the characters have dark pasts, and it has a fiery finale, and uh, there's there's blood and murder, um, and the the main character in Light in August. Uh, you, you can't read Light in August and not come away with this impression of a character named Joe Christmas, who is incredibly amoral, and he does reprehensible, ferocious, terrible things. Um, and I've never really so, – so Joe Christmas's identity is wrapped up in this idea that he's, he's half black, which he's not. To look at him, you would never know it, but he just knows that's a part of his, his makeup, of his past. And so he's going through the South in the 20s with this burden and it basically drives him crazy. He's almost like an Anton Chigurh in, in, in this, uh, in this book. Um, and it, it just kind of hit me that you, nobody could really play this. Like, how are you going to do a character? He, he's such a deep psychological portrait in, in light in August. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is this is relatively accessible Faulkner. It's not anything crazy like Absalom, Absalom or, uh, um, what's the one, uh, with the retarded guy, dead gummit, Kelly Wand, help me. What's the other famous uh, Faulkner Mice novel? Men. Is it well, really not easy? As I Lay Dying, I No, read. that's the Dino Dingus like though, and that's pretty accessible. As I Lay Dying. Yeah, that's Let's an go, easy one. Oh, Sound in the Fury. Sound in the Fury. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a hard so, one? Sound in the Fury? Uh, Don't you think yeah. you said? Hmm. Sound in the Fury is pretty, uh, like, Faulkner, it is weird, free-form stuff. You know, he's going into the, the head of, of this character's Incredibly disabled a lot, uh, I believe. No, I think that that is a harder one. Light in August is almost like it's not a pot boiler, but it's it's definitely something you could easily pick up and read. And there's there's not there's no real challenging format breaking or anything in it. But at any rate, for Joe Christmas, for this this guy basically driven crazy by his own self loathing and racism, uh, I'm going to need Tom Hardy. Um, Partly just because of, of the amazing stuff he did in Bronson, because of how good he looked in those outfits in Lawless, which is roughly around the same area. Um, but also, I could believe, I could believe that there's something sort of racially off. And actually, that's a terrible way to put it. I, I could believe that Tom Hardy could have some sort of weird ethnic background that, that would make him hate himself. Uh, like he looks different and vivid. He, he has this amazingly striking face. Um, so I'm getting Tom Hardy to play Joe Christmas, and I need Terrence Malick to direct this. Ah, oh. oh, all right, you got me, buddy. So yeah, this one I actually want to see. Have you? Were you saying at first, Kelly One, that you haven't read Light in August? No. Okay. I mean, yes. I don't see movies that refer to time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go to runners-up, we do have some uh, reader suggestions. Oh, I'm excited. Right. I kind of—I used to dread these, and now I look forward to them. Jeff Sweet writes, "Hey there, guys. Here are my picks for character slash actor slash director combinations. I'd like to see number one. Oh, okay. Uh, Franz List played by Jack Houston. I don't know who I know. Jack Houston. Yeah. Uh, directed by P.T. Anderson." Uh, Jeff Does he writes, John Houston, maybe? Maybe. Well, uh, Jeff Wright, Franz Liszt. Oh, Franz Liszt, all right. So like Listomania. I thought you said Bra- Bronze Liszt. I didn't know who Bronze was. That's how Tom talks. He's from Arkansas. <laughs> uh, Jeff writes, the world needs a good film about Liszt where he isn't a secondary character in a Hugh Grant movie and played by the creepy blonde guy from The Prophecy. Jillian Sands? 
Christopher Walken. Julian Sands wasn't in the prophecy. Oh wait, I'm thinking of Warlock. You're thinking of Julian Massage. Blind uh, guys in the prophecy. Ending. Huh. Nah, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm at uh, Jeff's number two pick. Dr. H. H. Holmes, played by, I don't know who that is, but he's played I by, <laughs> I like where this is going, he's played by Casey Affleck, and the director, Michael Haneke. <sighs> uh, and Jeff writes, a con man slash serial killer who, during the Chicago's World Fair, oh, I do know who this is, uh, during the Chicago World's Fair, built a hotel designed specifically to torture and kill the guests. Right, he, there was a book about this. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff writes, a young Bob Balaban would also be great. Ah, uh, oh, Bob Balaban. <laughs> With the frizz from Love that Scanners. guy. Okay, and now here's where I think Jeff Sweet is laughing at us. His number one pick, The Swamp Thing, mm. played by John Hamm, directed by <laughs> Terrence Malick. Oh, Malick doubles. <laughs> Don't believe that. Yeah, good oh, luck. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see you in 2025. Uh, and then Jeff Sweet... One. Jeff Sweet sends a follow-up email in which he writes, Crap, I meant Warlock, not the prophecy. Uh, <laughs> wait, so, okay. I got there by a different uh, hill road. Paul Weimer writes to us. Uh, he says, hi, guys. I had a lot of fun with this topic. His number three pick. Oh, I like this one. Uh, his number three pick, and he's given us titles. His number three pick is entitled The Queen of the Pirates. Oh, I so like this one. Michelle Yeoh plays Chen Shi, a 19th century pirate with a fleet under her command, who was the scourge of the China Sea. Wolfgang Peterson directs. Wow. I like this. Uh, uh, this character is also in the Assassin's Creed game. Uh, when he says Wolfgang Peterson directs, that makes me think how much I appreciated another casting situation like this, where uh, he cast Brad Pitt as Achilles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with that as well. I'm surprised you don't want Lucy Liu for the pirate chick. Uh, Lucy Liu, as much as I'm fond of her, Kelly Wan, she's no Michelle Yeoh, please. Oh, Michelle That's Yeoh. true. Paul Weimer's number two pick is, he calls this The Wanderer. Uh, holy cats. Uh, Idris Elba plays Ibn Batuta, the 14th century explorer who journeyed from Spain to China with unbelievable adventures along the way. I never heard of this guy, but I like the sound. So of he's it. like Marco Polo, but uh, played Marco. by Idris Elba. Right. And this Kelly Wand is directed by Edward Zwick. How do you feel about that? Um. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. So Paul Weimer, I'm getting the impression he he knows a little bit too much history because his yeah. number one pick, oh. he calls it the Empress. In this, Angelina Jolie plays Empress Theodora, and it's directed by Shikhar Kapoor. Kelly Wand, what movies do we know by uh, Shakar Kapoor? Uh, Weird Science is him. (laughs) Paul explains, the epic story of the woman who went from being a prostitute to becoming the empress of the Byzantine Empire. Now that's an empire I can get behind. Mm, I see what you did there. Robert Armitage writes, number three, oh my golly, I do like this, Uh, James Bond, played by... Patty Considine in a movie directed by Edgar Wright. <laughs> wow. And he says, think modern day Casino Royale, but not the modern day Casino Royale. Hmm. Oh, Kelly Wand, this one's for you. This one's for both you and me, Kelly Wand. Hmm. Uh, Robert Armitage has our number. Here we go. Barbarella, hmm. played by Scarlett Johansson. Uh, yeah, it's good. Here you go. I'm going to throw you a twist. Well, uh, Robert Armitage is going to throw you a twist. Directed by. Wes Anderson. 
Now, now I, I read that and I'm going, wait, what just happened? Ah, uh, see, would it be as dirty if you did it? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Now, now Kelly, well, that one, good. that one was for you. Uh, Robert Armitage writes, Tom, to get you on board with this, cast Anna Kendrick instead. <laughs> That's not the issue. Well, I'm anti Scarlett Johansson. It, well, I'm very uncomfortable now. I don't want to see Anna Kendrick playing Barbara. I, I mean, that's just weird. I'm a little uncomfortable. What's the problem here? He's not. He's not. He's not hot enough. She's yeah. awesome, but I, she, I don't want her. To, I, she's little Anna Kendrick from Rocket Science. And yeah, she's not as lush. She's not. I mean, Scarlett Johansson kind of is Barbara already. Yeah, that's true. In real life, yeah, yeah just watch her. It's the same. Why wasn't she in Gravity? Because, mm, uh, oh, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, okay, so this is this is Robert Armitage, obviously uh, pandering to uh, Breaking Bad fans. He has cast Jesse Plemons in a production by Michael Haneke of Charlie Brown. <laughs> wait, wait, that's good. That's why I said wait, wait. <laughs> Finally, we have... Uh, a near-future post-apocalyptic movie. This is Robert Armitage's bonus pick. Uh, starring, oh, good lord, uh, Matthew Modine as Tom Chick, Snoop Dogg uh, as Kelly Wand, and, and Reese Witherspoon as Dingus. What a shock. And it's called Quarter Past Three, and it's directed by Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Uh, Joe Johnson, who we know is the director of Captain America and the Rocketeer, says, "Hey guys, it's your favorite. Oh, it's your favorite movie director here. Just walked off the set of Not Safe for Work. I'm tempted to pick myself to head up all three of these movies, but I'll try to restrain myself." Joe says, "I'm a little concerned that Tom only picked this topic so he can troll us with Dwayne Johnson as Indiana Jones." Thanks for outing my runner-up. I'm also guessing we'll see a bunch of Daniel Day-Lewis directed by the Coen Brothers pitches. No, because those already exist, don't they, mostly? Joe Johnson almost got Dingus' number on that. So here are Joe Johnson's picks. The character is Nathan Drake from the video games Uncharted. The actor, Nathan Fillion. And the director, Mm. Steven Spielberg. Joe writes, okay, clearly this would be just an Indiana Jones film set in modern day with a fun actor in the role. But what's wrong with that? The world needs more Indiana Jones-like films, frankly. Also... He specifies this would be Crusaders era Spielberg, right? Not Crystal Skull. At the latest, yeah, exactly. Even that might be pushing it, Joe. Yeah, back it up a little, Joe. Get it's back a young man's it. game, directing adventures. Yeah. Joe's number two pick, Kelly Wan. I have a feeling you might have an opinion on this. The character is Parker. <clears throat> the actor. Ready for this, Kelly Wand? Uh, I'm trying to predict, but I, I guess. Sit tight. Get ready. Are you sitting, Kelly Wand? Not Adam Sandler. George Clooney. Nah. Okay, he's too charismatic. He's not cold. He's not. Parker's a cold fish. Well, what if it was directed by Walter Hill? That's fine. But okay. Clooney's too. He's too cute. Evuncular. Yeah, that's not the same dude. Jason Let's Statham's go. all wrong too. It's, oh, he's yeah. gonna be American. Jason Statham's all wrong for most parts he takes. I know. <laughs> and he keeps eating uh, him. It doesn't stop him. Joe Johnson writes, uh, Walter Hill directed the great neo-noir throwback film, The Driver. Get him into that headspace again. Give him George Clooney from The American. Actually, I'm kind of liking that. Uh, and, and let them bring Richard Stark's bleak, remorseless heist novels to life. Did you see The American, Kelly Wand? No, I don't see movies that refer to nationality. <laughs> it might be too slow for you. 
Well, I want to see if it makes his point because I can't really see Clooney as Parker. I'd feel very um, proprietary about that. It's a terrible idea. Continue. Uh, do you want me to spoil? Well, no, I won't spoil the American. Uh, the number one pick from Joe Johnson, director of The Rocketeer, is Erwin M. Fletcher, or thing is, do you know what this character is better known as? Uh, Fletch. Very good. Uh, the actor, Dingus, I think I think we can all get on board with this. The actor, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's Ding- good. Dingus, who would make a Robert Downey Jr. Fletch picture? Any ideas what Joe would pick? Uh, Wes Anderson. Nope, sorry, Shane Black. Okay. Uh, that's good. Like Although we've, we, it's almost like it's too similar to what we already have, though. It it's is like, kind of like it's not a bold, yeah. Right, we're renaming Tony Stark, and we're taking his suit away. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Joe writes, take Gregory McDonald's awesome novel, Fletch One, throw in Robert Downey Jr., and let Shane Black craft the script. You'll end up with a movie either too hip for the planet or witty enough to bring about world peace. See, Joe tackles the big issues with his picks. I like Did you read any of those? I think I read like five of them. They're okay. Did you read any of them? I did not. Tom? Oh. All right. I, I read uh, up to, like, Fletch and the Wine Dark Sea, and then I was done. <laughs> Dingus. Dingus riffing on Master and Commander. Tom. Well, here we go. Philip Torda. This one's for you, Kelly Wand. Man, this one's for you. They're oh, all God. This is my topic. Philip Torda's number three pick. The character is the human centipede. Mm. The actors making this human centipede. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, wait. There's so many awesome choices okay. here. Uh, I, I don't know where to begin. I'm excited. All right, the actors are Olivia Thirlby. In the front? Wanda <laughs> yeah. Burnett. Olivia well, Thirlby. You're talking about curtains or drapes. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Wait, I want Keanu's spot. But you do. If you don't, it's sad. And Melissa McCarthy. Oh! You know what? I'd reverse those. <laughs> and then he specifies not necessarily in that order. Uh, I like Keanu in the middle, in hindsight. Get it? Um, Melissa McCarthy and Olivia Thirlby. So, okay. Let's, let's just let that simmer in our imaginations for a moment. Simmer. Who's directing this? This is David Cronenberg. Not Cronenberg. That's too easy. <laughs> okay, this next one I love. Oh my god, I love this next one. Philip Torta is going to give us a production of Don Quixote, starring Gary Oldman, and directed by Darren Aronofsky. Is Cheech Marin Sancho Panza? You don't have to get racist, Kelly. No. What? Lu- it's Luis Guzman. I think you should get Lucy Liu. Danny Trejo. Uh, Philip Torta's number one pick. I don't know that I know who this is. As a matter of fact, I think this is a toy I used to have. I don't know if it's a real character. His his character is Stretch Armstrong. Ah, uh, yeah. Who is, who is it's an action figure. Yeah, yeah the guy that. with the, the rubbery dude. That yeah, it was Stretch Monster. It was green. Remember that, dude? But we're gonna. I guess if we're gonna make Transformers movies, we can do this. So this is Stretch Armstrong, starring actor uh, Owen Wilson, directed by Steve <laughs> Odekirk. I would have said Ryan Reynolds for Stretch Armstrong, but continue. <laughs> wait, 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 what yes. was the first thing after uh, the actor who's the director of Stretch Armstrong? Steve Odekirk. It's Odin Odenkirk, but yeah. he wrote Bob Odenkirk. That's right. no, Bob Odenkirk and Steve Odin. Steve Odenkirk is the animal detective guy, if I'm not mistaken. The Jim. Uh, oh, Jim, all right. What's his name? Oh, it's Bob. Jim Perry, but what's the guy? Oh, Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, animal de- pet detective. Whatever. Directed that? Isn't that Steve Odenkirk? I could be wrong. Uh, there's another dude. You might be right. Wait, no, no wait. There's another fucking guy. Oh, 
He has a similar name. Fortunately, I, I don't think this is ever going to happen, a Stretch Armstrong movie. I don't see All it. All right, let's move on. I feel I'm too stupid. To... Dave Perkins says, uh, Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes will have Calvin voiced by actor Amy Adams. Dingus, right. how do you feel about that? I, per- I really object to this, even be bri- being brought up. What if we get the director of Emperor's New Groove, Mark Dindal? Doesn't matter who you get. <laughs> uh, I'm with Bill Watterson on this. That the I mean, I mean, this is. I feel very passionately about this, but you guys go ahead and talk. Well, I don't. Have I to, don't feel passionately about it. I feel like hey, he's, he's just. Uh, Bill Watterson is very, very clear that that. No one. Well, if I'm not, Calvin is the guy, he's like on the back of cars and he's peeing on stuff, isn't he? Yeah, that's that's who he is. He's peeing on the cross. (laughs) Oh, is that what's going on? Dave Perkins' number two pick. We're going to have... Oh, wait, who's who's directing uh, his Calvin and Hobbes? The fellow who did Emperor's New Groove. His name is Mark Dindal. All right. Mark Dindal. Emperor's New Groove does not get mentioned on this podcast enough, and I want you two to, to see what you can do about that in the future. I thought Calvin was the tiger. I like, I like, jeez, oh, I like uh, Amber's new groove a lot, and I actually toyed with his, my my son and I are reading Calvin and Hobbes all the time. Uh, I actually toyed with an idea of of who might play Hobbes, um, but uh, but Bill Watterson is very clear that uh, you know he didn't license any of this stuff. He didn't make animated series. He didn't make any of that because he's very clear that. That his medium, the medium for this strip is a comic strip, and it ruins it to put it into something else uh, that creates some other form of art that is not what is not. It does not convey what he's getting across when he's writing. Uh, I mean, you're talking about one of my favorite writers. So, uh, Dave, you and I are gonna have words. All right, take that, Dave Perkins. Amy Adams. Thing is, you gave him Dingus the love for. Yeah, I did. Dave Perkins' number two pick is Eve, the first biblical woman, played by, I have no idea who this is, Marina Bakarin? Hmm. Anyone? Kelly Wan, hmm. you Google that for us. Right. Uh, and this is directed by Julie Taymor. I'm up with, with anything Who's she wants that? to direct. Uh, she did Lion King. She did, Tyus. Uh, she did Titus. the Titus production. Uh, did she do that Beatles movie, Dingus? Or am I yeah, mis- Ross the Universe. Yes. Uh, and then Dave Perkins' number one pick... Uh, here we are, back in history. Uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine, uh, and Dave explains she accompanied the European army. She accompanied the European army one of the Crusades in the 1100s. Oh, I presume on one of the Crusades. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, this is cute. Uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine will be played by Audrey Tateau. Uh, mm. Cute. Mm-hmm. Here, though, is where I'm a little uncertain because I wanted her for one of my runners-up. Uh, she's directing. This movie is directed. Dave Perkins. Uh, Tattoo Eleanor of Aquitaine is directed by Catherine Bigelow. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know that. Although I actually I was thinking uh, of Joan, Jones of Arc. Uh, and I, when I was thinking, okay, what director? I have some great actresses, but what director do I want for a Joan of Arc? And I, I, I thought of Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. And Ellen Page. Mm, uh, I think Ashley Bell, Dingus. Ah, well done. Or Juno Temple. When The Messenger came out, my mom pointed to the poster, but she goes, see, Milojovic's head's turned away from us because she's divorcing Luke Basson. And I go, mm-hmm. Your mom is smart. Uh, what yeah. was the, who's the actress in uh, You're Next? Sharni Vincent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Can we get her on the podcast? <laughs> Sharni, if you're listening, call us. <laughs> or just uh, me, not these Nick, 
Nick D, Nick D writes, thanks for a great topic. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Uh, he says, thanks for a great topic. <laughs> Tom Ward's that. Take that thing. head injury. <laughs> His number three pick is Yasarian from Catch-22, played by Joaquin Phoenix, directed by the Coen brothers. Nick writes, the Coens haven't made a war movie, but if they decided to, this is the one I'd want them to make. And Phoenix can do the right blend of wit and inner turmoil to pull off this part. Nick D's number two pick. What? Mick Jagger, Guy Pierce, Mary Heron. What just happened there? Oh, Guy Pierce playing <laughs> Mick Jagger in a Mary Heron directed movie? Hmm. Oh, interesting. Uh, he writes, I would love to see the female perspective Heron brought to American Psycho pointed at the Rolling Stones. Uh, Tell me one, what would you think of that? Uh, that's so, it's too, what? I'd rather have her so, point that insight to at the monkeys. <laughs> that's what James Franco said. In- <laughs> Nick D's, I know. Nick D's number one pick, Kelly Wand, is... Oh, interesting. It's a Frankenstein. Uh, it's a Frankenstein, Tom. Michael, it's ass, proudly. <laughs> Michael Shannon is our lead. The director uh-huh. is David Cronenberg. He uh-huh. writes, here's a classic ripe for a reboot. Michael Shannon would play the monster. And, and I would love to see Cronenberg's particular, particular brand of body dysmorphia applied to this story. I don't think the Frankenstein story holds up anymore. I, like vampires, we're doing things to to make them relevant, and it's working some instances, not working other instances. It's a zombie. Think, Frankenstein's a zombie, so you should like it because you love zombies. Well, it's kind of been displaced by zombie mythology in a way. I don't know. You know what? RoboCop is the nearest thing I can think of as far as doing something modern that's relevant with Frankenstein. No, you make a dude and he fucks up your wedding. <laughs> Kelly Wan, can we get you to helm this? That's Aaron, what it says. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Vaughn titles his submission uh, Fanfic Movies, which is not Ugh. what I really intended, but it's fair <laughs> enough. Fair point. Uh, and he wrote, uh, I think I was high when I finished last week's podcast, but instead of listening to it again, it speaks for all of us. I've gone ahead and made a list of my three most desired but never going to happen movies. Aaron Vaughn's number three pick is Spider-Man, played by John Goodman, directed by Peter Jackson. I think he was a little high, too. In which an aging Spider-Man returns to confront a demon invasion or something. Mostly, Aaron writes. No, I take it back. There's no pot in this man's head. I do love I know the, the, the image of this of this pitch in my head. Him sitting there going, uh, John Goodman, web shooters. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Aaron specifies, mostly I want to see an overweight Spider-Man swinging around New York in the wrong director's misguided hands, that being Peter Jackson. Like a Chris <laughs> Farley. Wait, what? Okay. Peter Jackson's the, other, the confusing part of it to me. That's how big I am compared to him. Uh, this is number two. I don't know how I feel about this. A.J. Frost. Oh, my God. What's being done to me here? A.J. Frost, director Michael Bay, Armageddon 2. AJ played by Tom Chick. Uh, uh, it's 15 years into the future, but they couldn't get Ben Affleck to reprise his role from Armageddon. So, fan of the podcast Michael Bay seduces Tom Chick 
with the lead role in a sequel where this time the tables are turned and Earth is headed towards a meteor. They explain away the difference in AJ's appearance as outer space radiation from the first movie. Right. The tagline for this movie, by the way, it's time to world your rock. (laughs) Nicely done, Aaron. And Aaron's number one pick. uh, Oh, Dingus should be able to appreciate half of this equation. Uh, We have Theodore Roosevelt played by Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Dingus, what do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. (laughs) That's your impression of Nick Offerman. That was actually my uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, this is directed – now, here's where it will start to lose you, Dingus. This is directed by David Gordon Green, director of All the Real Girls. Mm. Aaron writes, an alternate history biopic where Teddy and his rough riders travel around the border of a seduced southern union, murdering mm. slave drivers as they track down Ulysses S. Grant's confederate presidential daughter, played by Jennifer Lawrence. Imagine some cool slow-motion action sequences, and at some point, the DMX song, Rough Riders – the uh, tagline, that's how Rough Riders roll. And by the way, I think he gave me a link. Oh, yeah, there's a link here to the YouTube video for the DMX song, which uh, I'm afraid we can't hear over the podcast. I'll take his word for it. So, uh, runners up, gentlemen. No. Oh, whoops. Okay, wait. What's happening? I was trying oh my to. Gosh. All right. Uh, that's next. Nobody send any more links to YouTube because it played an ad. That was an ad on YouTube. Sorry. For what? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. I don't remember. Uh, I've got two runners up. Yes, Dingus. First, I would like to uh, take the character of Ignatius P. Riley. Okay. Confederacy of Dunces. Uh, And I would like to have Philip Seymour Hoffman play him, and I would like to have uh, P.T. Anderson direct that. Sorry, they're busy with my George Bush biopic. But we appreciate your pitch. Maybe, Dingus, we can get you uh, We can get you uh, the kid who is from I Am Number 4. What's that blonde guy's name? Maybe we can get him for you. Okay, good. And Yui Bull. <laughs> Yui Bull will be directing. Yeah. Uh, next, I, I, wanted, I want to have a, a Roger Ebert biopic. Ooh. Oh, now wait a minute. I, this better be serious. If you throw some joke casting at us, I'm going to be very sad, Dingus. Uh, you're going to think it's joke casting, but I don't think it is. Uh, I want to have Melissa McCarthy play him. Tom, <sighs> Kelly, you going to take that? No. And Judd Apatow is going to direct it. This is sort of a this is forty kind of thing. No, the other one. Horrible, horrible. Dingus, you're a terrible person. That's so soon. I totally agree. That Midler's obviously way better. Sick bastard. Jesus, Kelly, any runners up for you? Um, Billy Crystal as. I already hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Sorkamata? Okay, maybe. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I, you know, my, I have previously said that there's probably no role in the world that Daniel Day Lewis couldn't do better than whoever's actually cast. Uh, so I was going to suggest this Daniel Day Lewis as Ahab in an adaptation of Moby Dick, but I kind of think, I don't think Moby Dick is filmable because yeah. so much of Moby Dick is is procedural, uh, and I, as far as the adventure part, I don't recall much beyond. The dudes on the ship are looking for the white whale, and whoa, they find it, and it smashes the ship. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of Captain Phillips, where it's a one-sided battle. <laughs> Very good. The yes. other way, but the white – never mind. 
Well, oh, is, what, what are we doing for next week's three by three? Wait, uh, that was the end of your moment. Okay, sorry. Well, no, I was going to say I would I, I, Daniel Day Lewis for any part I would be fine with, and I was going to say as an Ahab, uh, but I just don't I don't think you can really do. I've actually never seen an adaptation of Moby Dick. Is there a good one? Yeah, it's called Wrath of Khan. Oh my God! See, you're joking, Dingus, but I sort of feel that Ahab-like obsession, like Ahab as a character, has been done better in other milieus, other settings. Um, yeah, I'm not joking, actually. Oh, what is Khan hunting? Kirk. Oh, that's easy to hunt. I mean, what? He is a white whale. <laughs> softball. I mean, uh, yeah, literally a softball. Too. Very nice. Anyway, Vegas, what do you have for us for next week's topic? Uh, these are your favorite shopping moments. Ooh. <laughs> Does it have to be in a store? Or can it be on QVC? Uh, it doesn't have to be in a movie. You can make up a. You can use a novel or even a poem if you want. Shopping moments. Do you, does this have any sort of introduction or explanation required, Dingus, or you just want to leave us with that? No, that's it. Your favorite moments where uh, where somebody does shopping in a movie. Your favorite shopping. Shopping moments. Does window shopping count? Because that's not even real shopping, really. I mean, Dingus, does Confessions of a Shopaholic? Can we can we just pick that? Can we can they all be from that movie? Yes. What about chopping? As in they chopping only, They can only be from that movie. <laughs> shopping moments. That's adorable. All right, so we'll be doing that for next week's 3x3. If you have some picks, we would love to hear them. Send them to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at, and then you spell out quarter to 3com uh, We love reading your picks, so uh, think of some shopping moments. Let us know what they are. Uh, next week, we are seeing Carrie. Ugh. Don't don't do that. This here for me. This, I feel like this is Chloe Grace Moritz's last chance to restore her standing as a national treasure, which <laughs> she she had. She was deprived of it. This is her chance to get back uh, into our good graces. I, I feel um, Kimberly Pierce as well. She did pretty underwhelming movie called Stop Loss after Boys Don't Cry, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she does with this horror classic. Um, so join us for that. Also, uh, I meant to plug this at the head of the podcast. Uh, keep up with our 30 Days of Horror Challenge. I've been watching a horror movie every day. We're finally out of the freaking grandpa movies and going through some cool uh, 70s stuff. Um, that, those are still kind of grandpa. I don't know. Like I, I don't. There's nothing about Rosemary's Baby that I think of as grandpa. That's true. Well, that's an that's an exception to every rule. Exorcist, Jaws. Come on. Exorcist isn't scary, though, is it? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's scary. It's got nothing to do. I don't think Rosemary's Baby is scary either, though. No, but it's just good. Right. It's just fucking good. But then you get stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Good lord. Texas Chainsaw. Uh, that's scary, oh. but it's interesting. What? No. You don't like Texas Chainsaw? You know what? I don't like any of that early crap. Because it's a that, documentary. Yeah, stuff that Toby Hooper <laughs> and Wes Craven were doing early on. I just feel like they're just kind of getting their feet under them and it's, it's clumsy and I, no, I don't. No. Well, it's got, it's atmospheric. It's just, it's depressingly atmospheric of what it's probably like in that part of the world. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it tomorrow, so we'll see. I, I have not seen the original in a while. I think I'd rather watch uh, Jessica Biel run around and admire her midriff. No, you can do that anywhere. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, join us next week. Send in your three by threes. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by uh, Christian. You don't have to go to Texas for it. It's my point. Sorry. Christian Malinsky. Uh, it's Christian Morosky. And we had with us Kelly Wand. Oh, the director of Independence is Eli Roth, and he also plays Ben Franklin. La 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 la. Ah, good. 
See, you should have led with this. <laughs> They're not in the Navy, though, are they? We don't know for sure. Well, he goes, I didn't join the Navy. His stupid friend. Mm-hmm. Jack Aubrey. Jack. The Royal Navy. The Wine Dark Navy. See, that's music from the same era you're watching horror movies from. Be advised, I've got eyes on the package. 